Hello and welcome to episode two of Only Foals and Racehorses with me, Ria, from Adventures in Black and White. And today I'm going to talk about racing school. So racing school, um, I went there to do the two-week BHA course, which was an introduction to racing for university students. Um, I was on the first one. Um, when I went to interview, it was quite apparent I was one of the few people there that had never sat on a racehorse. So um, that was quite interesting, um, I guess, because it was the first one. What they really wanted to do was get people on the course that would actually last the course and make it successful. Um, so I was quite lucky. Um, the interview um, itself was quite hard. So they um, spoke to you first, <coughs> like a normal interview. And um, I think they weighed us, or I'm pretty sure they did weigh us, but I don't really remember that. It's funny what I don't remember. Um, but they wanted to know why you wanted to get into racing and, and this, that and the other in your background. And then the second part of the interview, which was the hard bit, was they made us ride in the school, which that's fine. You know, we were all capable riders. You had to be a very capable rider to go on this course because... Basically, what they were doing was the nine-week course that they do for the normal students, but they condensed it down to two weeks so that you could then spend the rest of the summer um, riding for your allocated trainer. Um, so you had to be a decent rider to get on the course. Um, and at this point, I'd never even sat on a, a racehorse. Um, obviously, back in those days in riding schools, we didn't really have them even, not even ex-racers. So, yeah, that was interesting. It was... you had to ride in a proper racing saddle although to be fair at racing school they do have a lot of full tree saddles um but back in those days they didn't and so I was legged up onto this horse and my stirrups were put up um a lot shorter than what I was used to because being a dressage rider I spend most of my time with my stirrups down by my knees and yeah, so there we were and they made us walk and trot around the school and then they got us trotting and standing in the stirrups and basically it was an endurance race. So they basically wanted to see who was going to last the longest and as someone who'd never ridden that short or even been in that position before, I was so determined to not be the first one to sit down. And even though I was in absolute agony, I was so determined that I was not going to sit down. The whole time while we were trotting around, standing up, they were also asking us questions. So you had the added distraction. And I'm glad to say that I wasn't the first one to sit down. I was one of the first ones, but not the first one. And they obviously saw that I had potential and I got on the course. So... I think the interview for that must have been around um, the February time. And then they told us that um, before we went, we would have to get fit. They expected us to run a mile in about 10 minutes. Um, I think that's the time they wanted anyway. And they had said that, you know, they, they expected us to work on our fitness and they would make us work on our fitness while we were there if necessary, which um, I was not really looking forward to because I'd heard stories about them making us run up the um, the wood chip, which... From having tried that um, afterwards, I'm so glad we never had to do because it, it is impossible. But I had enough experience running on sand when I was working in Ryan schools to know that it wasn't going to be easy. So, yeah, so I spent the rest of um, the term getting myself fit and then term finished and I went off to racing school. 
Um, packed myself off to Newmarket. That was, uh, I, I think at that time, did I have a car? No, I didn't have a car. So my mum would have driven me and that was it. We were stuck, uh, dropped off at this place I'd never been to, apart from for the interview. And that was that. Um, thankfully, um, the rooms were really, really nice. Um, they had us all on our own. Um, and um, they had a full schedule of the riding and then uh, they had other stuff going on. Um, the course was split into practical theory and then some education as well. Um, so basically, as I said, they were doing the nine week course in two weeks. So the riding was very intense. I don't think I've ever ridden quite that intensely. Even when I went into training, obviously by then I was used to it, but the first three days um I want to say we rode three times a day but then I don't think we did I think we rode twice a day and then had a lecture but it's one of those weird things I think because it was so traumatic I've kind of um blocked that all out of my memory but we definitely rode twice a day and they made us ride short so the for the first week we rode in the indoor school working on technique and position um, we had lessons on the equisizer to, again, work on more technique. And then on the second week, they had us riding a couple of days on the round canter, which is two furlongs long. And then after a couple of days on the round canter, once everyone was safe, they then took us onto the straight to prepare us for what it was going to be like when we were in training. Um and um, yeah, for anyone that hasn't been to racing school, it's it's a really, really good setup the way they have it there. The horses are lovely and there's so many different horses to suit different skills. And um, one of the things they have on you um, once you get out of the school where obviously it's quite safe is they mic you up. So you will wear radio mics and the trainer has a radio mic and um, the mics are two way. Um, but you can hear everything the trainer says to everyone else, um, or you could when I was there. So um, it wasn't that interesting when obviously we were all on the round canter because you could see what everyone was doing. But when we started to go on the straight, you could hear a lot of there's no such word as can't, which is there. I think should be the motto of the racing school. Certainly um, the guys that were teaching when I was there, that was definitely their motto. You couldn't say you couldn't stop because... That wasn't true. And to be fair, those horses at racing school were definitely the hardest pulling horses that I've ever, ever come across. Um, so I don't blame the kids for saying they couldn't stop because there was times when I felt like I couldn't stop. But I wasn't the one that ever ended up in the cheese grate at the end. So I must have had some sort of pure strength about me. Um, but yeah, it was that was really, really good. It was just to learn to ride in a whole new way. Um, on the actual course, I was definitely the one that had the least racing experience. Everyone else seemed to have sat on a point to pointer at some point in their life, or mummy and daddy had a racehorse, or or they'd ridden racehorses. Um, so yeah, um, it I was still very much an outsider, but you know I was making my way, and and the horse side of it was fine. Um, they did do an awful lot to prepare us for working on racing yards. Um, so, you know, we took through like the race day procedure, the day to day life on the yard, what was expected, all the different ways that, you know, that you have to look after the horses. And the standard of care for a racehorse um, is so much higher than the average standard of care for a riding horse. 
Um, and as anyone who owns a racehorse, ex racehorse, will know, yeah, because if they injure themselves, it's it's a big problem. Like even my horse now, if she cuts herself, her leg blows up like it's going to fall off. So you try and avoid that. Um, but yeah, they. It, this is where I first sort of learnt the sort of anal of a lot of people in racing a lot of tradition which isn't necessarily a bad thing but at some points you could be like why are we doing this um and when I was there I remember particularly the thing about there was a lot of gravel on the yard and we used to have to rake the gravel and if you didn't rake it in a particular way there was one one particular trainer and she just didn't like me. Thankfully, she never really taught me apart from on the stable management side. But if she saw me on a rake, it was like, I'm just going to go for the specky four-eyes kid that's a bit clumsy and just have a go at her. Like, she was horrid. And all I had to think about was, oh, well, at least I can ride. <laughs> because she made me feel like I I couldn't muck a bed out, I couldn't groom a horse properly, and I definitely couldn't rake a yard. Um, but I suppose in a way that you have to accept that not everyone's going to like you, and I was getting a very early lesson in that. Um, but yeah, um, from I think she's retired. I hope she has anyway. But all the other trainers are really, really sweet and really nice. So um, yeah, that was, she was... She, and it was definitely something she had against me. But anyway, um, it wasn't all bad because thankfully we didn't spend our afternoons there. And when we'd done our training, because they didn't have enough horses for us to do because they were running the other courses at the same time, they um, sent us into town to work for trainers to get experience of working on racing yards, doing evening stables. Um, evening stables runs from four till six so I can't even remember what time they started us off we probably were starting at about seven and then going through to evening stables and um, because at university I'd said that um, I'd been in the R Racing Club for Oxford Brooks which was run by Matty Kamani and I was a good friend of his um, they got me a placement doing evening stables at um, at um, Luca Kamani's yard which that that really was like my first taste of what a pre proper racing yard was like so there we were in the evening we get on the bus and they drop us at our various yards in town and I was just dropped at the gate at Luca's and told to get on my merry way um I was so painfully shy in those days I had not got a clue where I was going I didn't, couldn't even find my way into the yard like no one told me anything and I think a lot of my career I spent sort of just going along not really knowing whether I was doing the right thing or not but just kind of getting on with it and just trying my best and and I learned to ask questions because you definitely learned quickly that if you didn't you were going to make more of a mess of it than at least you asked because then at least they knew you were trying um, so I found my way into the yard um, then I didn't know where I was meant to be going from that point and and people look at you like oh who's this weirdo um, and I would have been I wasn't fat because obviously I was riding racehorses but I very much looked like a pony patter in my little jumper and my, and my jumpers because in those days I didn't wear jeans to ride out because I didn't know that's what they all did so I looked very out of place 
Um, anyway, found whoever I was meant to be looking for and they they took me around and, and I did evening stables for two weeks in the Philly barn, which was really nice. Um, and I quickly learned that you needed to get there as soon as possible so you could get your tools because otherwise you got the broken tools and everyone had their own favourite tools, which is something that, again, runs through the rest of my career because we all have our favourite fork. Um, and the the travelling head lass, I think, was the one that looked after me. I seem to remember her and I, I still see her around now. And she gave me two horses to do up every evening um, so that I could, you know, learn what, what, what they needed doing. And I remember these two horses quite fondly because they were pongy and Tont Rose, which to anyone who follows racing knows they were two very, very good fillies. So I was very lucky to look after them. Um, at, yeah, Kaman is the yard was beautiful. Bless him, he's not training anymore, but it was such a nice yard. Um, but all the horses were on paper, and at that point, I had not got a clue how to muck a paper bed out. I'd never even seen one in my life. You know, all I knew was straw, and then if you were really posh, shavings. But no, paper was a total new thing to me, and um, I remember the boss coming in, and and it was quite sweet because his his son had obviously said who I was and he, he knew you know that I was rear from Brooks and and he walked in the bed and he just frowned at me and he went it needs more bedding and I just I just didn't know I didn't know what what how the bed should feel <laughs> but obviously he walked in there and he knew straight away um he was very very traditional in the way that you you go in in the evening you muck your horse out or skip it out and then you dress it over and tie it up we well, have it tied up obviously while you were doing it over and then the horse would have to stand and wait for him to come round and look at her and um, all the horses. So you'd have, I don't know, 20 horses in a barn and he might have a couple of barns. I can't remember how many horses there at the time. We thankfully were in the first barn. But while the horses were tied up to the wall, they also had their feeds put in by the head lad. And so they were there tied to the wall, knowing that their dinner was ready for them. But you couldn't let them down till the boss had been. And... Uh, well, I can't remember which one of mine it was, but one of mine every single night would let herself down so she could eat her, her dinner. And I don't blame her. It's something I wouldn't ever do. Um, I thought, but it's it's quite a traditional racing thing. And But it was really nice. And at the end of it, Luca was, you know, he said I'd done a good job. And, and that was something he, he recognised me for years afterwards, which I always thought was really nice. So um, that was the good side of working uh, evening stables on a proper yard it also was an eye-opener um, around about that time there was actually quite a lot of girls on that yard from what I remember and there was a lot of Italians so it sort of split between the Italians and the English and um, one thing I remember one night was someone had done something earlier in the day and obviously I've walked into this and literally there was a full-on fight in the yard and um, one of the head lads had to come and, and split it up but it was two girls fighting and and as quite a sort of sheltered human being I'd never seen two girls fight like that and uh, yeah it was one of the Italian girls versus one of the English girls and um, I was just terrified I just hidden my box until they finished and everyone was uh, got them away from each other um, but that was something that would stay with me and I remembered the Italian girl because she was quite violent and uh, our paths crossed 
not long after that. And uh, yeah, I'll come on to that in a later story. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my first taster of, you know, it's all nice and we love our horses and the horses were immaculately cared for. But you had to have your wits about you. Um, yeah, so that was that. So um, that sort of all went on for two weeks, which didn't seem to take any time at all, really. Um, in the evenings, they also went over like all the BHA stuff that we had to learn. And um, it was a really, really good course. And it's a shame because they don't run it anymore. And given that we have such problems getting people into racing, it's a shame that they don't. But I guess it's whether you can source those right sort of people, the people that want to do the course that can ride well enough. Um, and like I said at the start, um, most of the people on that course had some racing links anyway, so probably would have gone into racing regardless of doing it or not. And there wasn't probably enough people like me, but I don't know what the answer to that is. And um, it actually came up. You know, we had to um, we had to write a paper on how to get people into racing. And I did point out that when I was at school, I didn't even know how to get into racing. So uh, but that was 20 years ago and they still haven't fixed the problem because um, obviously now they have two problems in that they can't get anyone in and then they can't keep them once they're in. But we'll come on to that later. So racing school was a really, really good opportunity for me and it, it definitely opened my eyes that I wanted to get into racing and uh, even though I knew it was very, very dangerous, um, it, it was just something that appealed to me. Um, there was a couple of things that went on while I was in Newmarket and, and they were quite big deals. Um, so... Um, you might remember that around that time there was the um, Sower murders and while we were at racing school, um, this was all going on, they hadn't found the girls yet and I remember one morning waking up and um, there'd been a big hoo-ha about the horses couldn't go out on Warren Hill because they were digging up the top of the gallops because they thought that's where the girls had been buried. Um, thankfully it turned out just to be badgers um, but it's something that sort of stays with you it's like those life events like um obviously that the year before I'd lived through twin towers coming down and watching that and then then I was there in the middle of a, a murder hunt and yeah that was it did stick with me and I met I met one of the guys um whose uh, little girls was uh, murdered a couple of years after that and it it just always stuck with me. He was actually one of our window cleaners uh, when I worked at Snowwell. And yeah, it, it, it just stuck with me how horrific that was. And, and it definitely tainted the area. Um, the other thing that happened while I was in Newmarket was um, one of the girls um, on one of the trainer's yards uh, fell off and caught her foot in the stirrup and got dragged and killed. And that really hit home just how dangerous the job could be. Um, I always ride in bent leg irons and actually not long after there was two fatalities I think when they were in my first year of racing where, where girls had got or lads had got hung up by their stirrups when they'd fallen off and then basically kicked to death as they went up the gallops and um, I think it was shortly after that that racing school did then adopt the bent leg irons themselves and, and that they keep to today um, just to try and help some that stop that happening and it's certainly something that I always rode in, apart from when I went to Australia, but that's a whole different matter. But yeah, so um, 
that was Newmarket. That was my introduction to Newmarket and racing. And uh, what an introduction it was. But it, it didn't put me off. And um, that led me on to my lovely job with Hiri Morrison, the best job I think I ever had in racing. And, uh, and that's going to be in episode three. So uh, see you there. Bye bye.